You're listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. We continue only with your help. Visit mortificationofspin.org to make a donation or call 1-800-488-1888. That's 800-488-1888. You are listening to The Mortification of Spin, the regular podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. My name is Todd Pruitt. I'm the pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And I'm joined, as always, by my two friends, Amy Bird, who is the author of Housewife Theologian, and Carl Truman, who's professor of church history at Westminster Seminary and the pastor of uh, Cornerstone Presbyterian Church in Ambler, Pennsylvania. Yeah, you almost forgot that. I did. I did. <laughs> it's, uh, it's good to see it's the two of you. Yeah, I know it's, uh, it's a big responsibility introducing you two, uh, especially Carl with so many titles and jobs that he does. <laughs> he um, chairs. You know, the chairs and... Uh, you know, he writes books and he travels the world and that sort of thing. When the so. Queen puts me on the New Year's Honours list, there'll be even <laughs> right, more to remember. Right. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, first of all, Carl, I actually, but before we introduce our guest, I did have a question for you. Um, who's the greater band, uh, the Who or the Rolling Stones? Got to say the Who, I think. On balance, it, it, it has to be the Who. The Rolling Stones were great in their day, but I think they, they, they somewhat degenerated uh, over the last uh, 30, 30 odd years. Maybe Exile on Main Street might be the last album I'd be prepared okay. to acknowledge as having any merit whatsoever. I see, I see. Uh, whereas the Who, I think the, the great thing about the Who is that by and large, they, they stopped being creative. Mm-hmm. and just recycle the classics after a right, while. They right. did produce Endless Wire a few years ago. I, I, I saw them, or what was left of them, on the tour that time. But Endless Wire was... The only good bits about Endless Wire were the bits that were reminiscent of the earlier stuff they I used to see, do. I see. Well, I, as you all can tell, Carl has nothing to say on the subject. But, but I would say, <laughs> since we've established that the Who uh, is to be ultimately preferred over the, over the Rolling Stones, what about the Who and, uh, let's say, New Kids on the Block? Ooh, that's, that's a tough a, one. That, we, we might have that, to take time. That's a tough one. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I think I'd just have to give the edge to the who. Okay, there okay, as well that, as that a, would that would be a tougher one. I know that as the father of a teenage daughter, you're something of an expert about boy bands. <laughs> right. so I don't want to upset yeah. your own, not that one. Yeah, exactly. Sensibilities yeah, not that and aesthetic right. taste. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, we uh, obviously, as we've already established, uh, the tagline for mortification of spin is ca- casual conversation about things that count. And since we haven't started on the things that count yet, we might as well do that. And so with no further uh, delay, um, we have a guest with us today, don't we? Uh, yes, our guest today is Melanie Brunson. Uh, Melanie is a lawyer and also executive director of the American Council of the Blind. Uh, she's here with a special guest of her own, her dog Sparta. And the reason why Melanie is here with Sparta is because uh, Melanie has been blind almost since birth. And we thought on the mortification of spin it would be a great opportunity to have a conversation about how the church uh, cares for, interacts with, um, loves uh, people with disabilities. And Melanie has kindly uh, agreed or volunteered uh, to set herself forward as a kind of sacrifice (laughs) to us today. So it's a great pleasure to have you with us. Uh, Melanie, I wonder if you would just, uh, in a few words, give us uh, some background on on who you are and how you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, thank you. Um, it's good to be here. I think <laughs> <laughs> so far, anyway. But I'm 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 intrigued by the beginning of this conversation. Um, 
I um, have been um, a member of Grace Church since about 2000, about 2000, I think. Um, we moved here from, um, from California, and um, I came out here for my employment. Um, I have been attending church for most of my life. I was, uh, became a Christian as a child. Um, of about age 10, and um, at what was called Good News Bible Club um, that was uh, an after-school club that people hosted in homes. And my mother volunteered our home because there were five of us, and uh, we were the largest family in the neighborhood, and we were sort of the congregating place for everything that happened for anybody under 18. So we hosted the, uh, the, the club, and it was during one of those meetings that I gave my life to the Lord and have had an interesting journey ever since. Um, and um, I don't know what else you want <laughs> to know about all of that. But. Well, that's a good start. Absolutely. I wonder, Melanie, when, when you came in, it was interesting because uh, uh, you came in with Sparta and of and I love dogs. I have a black lab. Sparta's a black lab, and immediately began to converse with uh, with Sparta. And you said something really interesting that we actually kind of chatted about <laughs> for a little bit, uh, which which sort of struck me that you have found that um, people will be much more comfortable around you if if you come in with uh, a guide dog, uh, but they end up really mainly just paying attention uh, to the dog. To the dog. To the dog. Yeah, and. This seems to speak to the reality that oftentimes um, people have a, 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 at least some measure of discomfort knowing how to, how to engage with or how to speak to someone who has a physical disability of some sort. And I, I wonder, it, it, so, so you've been in the church now for a long time. You came to know Christ, as you said, as, as a young person. What have you found if this isn't too broad of a question, but what have you found have been some of the the most helpful things that people have done within the body of Christ um, for you as someone, in this case, who is blind? What's the church done when she's been at her best, in other words? <laughs> sure. Um, there are some things that come to mind. Um, one of the most practical things that people have done and can do is when they come up to me and they want to talk to me, um, they say, hi, this is so-and-so. Mm -hmm. um, that way, I think it serves two purposes. One is it gives them something to say and they don't have to worry mm -hmm. about what they're going to say to at least start the conversation. But it also helps me to know for certain who they are and not have to try to remember. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's useful. Yeah. Um, I think one of the highlights of my Christian experience was when the church that I grew up in, when we got to about college age, our Sunday school class did a Christian service project, and they raised money for it, and they... Um, they talked about it for quite a while, and everybody was kind of vague, and I didn't know what it was. So I think I contributed a couple of dollars to it on a couple of occasions and things like that. And lo and behold, one Sunday, um, 
they made a presentation of what the service project was, and they had gotten our hymn book transcribed into Braille for me. So that was pretty cool. Um, And it was really cool when I came to Grace Church because they already had one. And so when um, the pastor came over to visit us after we had attended for a while, he said, well, we have this hymn book in the office and no one's using it. Would you like to? So that was um, that was great. Um, and so because it enabled me then to um, to have the hymns at the same time as everyone else. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the thing that is most noticeable is when you feel included and you feel included when people give you the things that everyone else has in a format that you can that you can access so that you can participate in the service along with everyone else um, i know some of the folks that i know who who attend churches um, talk about getting their bulletins emailed to them ahead of time so that they can then put them in their devices and have and follow along with the order of service like everyone else does. I haven't done that because I always just have my husband read it to me before we get in to the service, but because he is sighted. But uh, it's it's something that I know a lot of blind people who appreciate. Melanie, um, a lot of time if I uh, encounter someone who is blind when I'm shopping or just out and about, and they have a guard dog, such as Sparta, um, my children's eyes get really big, and they're like, look at this dog, it's in a store, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're all excited, and they want to run up to it, and there's this hospitable part of me that thinks, okay, um, a guard dog is a great way to break the ice and talk to somebody, and so it's a great conversation starter, but then there's um, maybe an ignorance on my behalf where, or a guide dog, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. It's not a guard dog. <laughs> there is a, an ignorance on my behalf. I don't know whether or not I should allow my children to run up to this dog who has a job to do and uh, start petting it and, um, and then introduce myself in that way. Could you let me know um, sure. if that's okay to do? Um, when a dog has a harness on, such as my dog does, mm-hmm. or um, a lot of the other types of service dogs that people with other types of disabilities use have a, a vest or a jacket on. Mm-hmm. That is an indication that the dog is working. Mm-hmm. Okay. When a dog is working, it's best not to distract it mm-hmm. because it's it's usually performing a task. Mm-hmm. So... At, at best, it would be best to tell them, no, you can't pet that dog, it's working. Mm-hmm. There are some say, occasions but... when I let people do it if they first ask me, mm-hmm. can I pet the dog or can I have my child pet the dog? If the dog isn't um, actually doing something for me at the moment, such as guiding me, um, if the dog is simply, you know, sitting waiting for something to happen, then I will sometimes let people pet her. But it often depends on how distracted she's been that day. And some people prefer not to let anyone pet the dog at all mm-hmm. when the dog is working. So um, 
if they really get excited, you might ask, but don't be surprised if the person says no. Okay. Thank you for clearing that up. (laughs) No problem. Because it's a, you know, everywhere we go, it happens. And, um, you know, you can always, it it, it doesn't matter what store you go into, what time of day, or where you go, children always get excited. And um, oftentimes in the fellowship hall after church, kids want to pet the dog. And I will sometimes, if she's been good, I will sometimes take the harness off and let the children pet her. Mm-hmm. Especially if we're staying for lunch or, you know, <laughs> we're going to be there for a while. But I've had people actually stop me when I was moving, adults, uh-huh. when I was trying to cross the street or trying to walk oh down my. the metro, the subway platform to get onto the, um, the DC subway system, stop me to pet the dog. Wow. Mm. And that's not. One, it's not safe because that dog is my eyes. Mm -hmm. It would be like somebody pulling you over when you're trying to drive down the road so that they could look at your car. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good analogy. Wonder if I can ask uh, a more sort of theological question (laughs) Uh uh, at this point, Melanie. Don't 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 panic. It's (laughs) it's not a trick question. one of the, I, I, you can tell by my accent that I'm a, an outsider to the United States. One of the things that, that most struck me when I, when I moved over here was the, the power within the, the Christian culture of what is, for, for want of a better term, and I know this is a somewhat general term and perhaps doesn't capture everything that I'm, that I'm wanting to, to embrace at this point, but what we might call prosperity doctrine. Mm-hmm. People who think that, that God's plan for... Uh, Every Christian is your best life now. And Mm -hmm. by and large, what they mean by that is uh, we're all meant to be beautiful. We're all meant to have perfect teeth. We're all meant to have all of our bodily functions functioning perfectly and happily. We're all meant to have have wealth. Uh, I can imagine somebody schooled in that kind of theology coming up to you and saying, maybe you've had this happen, saying, you know, Melanie, you're blind because you don't have enough faith. Yes. How would you respond to to that that I have had that happen to me and um, unfortunately the first time that it happened I was a lot younger um, and a lot you know less um, thoughtful about how I responded (laughs) to things and um, I I did have that happen and frankly it hurt my feelings Mm. an awful lot and I was so shocked I don't I think I just walked away and um, um, went off and cried at that particular time. I was in high school, and I remember very well the person who who did that. Um, I've had similar experiences since then. No one has confronted me directly with that particular statement, but I have passed, um, particularly in downtown areas, street preachers, who stop what they're doing to pray for me, healing of my blind eyes, mm. you know. And um, yeah. there are certainly things that um, varying degrees of that sort of experience that one encounters periodically. Um, and I guess what I would what I would say is that you know, based on my personal experience, um, I am very certain that God has a reason for putting me in a situation where my eyes do not function. 
Um, we had some very serious conversations on that topic uh, at, a, at a point in my uh, early Christian life. And through, I won't go into all of the details, but through a number of very long prayer sessions and a number of circumstances that followed those, I came to the conclusion that God wanted it this way. And so what I said to him was, well, if it can be, if I can serve you better without eyesight, then I'm certainly willing to go through this life without it. Wow. And so that was a decision I made, and that was the decision that I stuck to. And I haven't regretted it. Um, I sometimes get frustrated in a lot of other things, but regret is not one of them because I'm certain that um, my prayer and my petition was answered, and I'm satisfied that God knows best. Yeah, that's a beautiful answer, uh, Melanie. Thanks very much for that. So how would you, you know, if, if, if there was a young person in this room now who, let's say, is, is blind or uh, is in a wheelchair and, humanly speaking, there is no hope for the, the, their condition to change, what would you say after a lifetime of experiencing blindness and experiencing the Lord's love through that, what would you, what would you say to that person to, to encourage them? I think the first thing I would do is, you know, look, think about where they are in their acceptance or non-acceptance of their situation and give them all of the empathy that I can. Because I know from my own experience that people deal with it in a lot of different ways and they need to be allowed to go through the process of finding their own way and finding um, acceptance of the situation um, in in the way that they and the Lord um, think best. So I would give them sympathy, but I would also tell them, not sympathy, but empathy, and and tell them that I you know understand because I've probably been <laughs> where they are. I would let them talk through where they are. Um, but I would also encourage them to be open to allow the Lord to help them to go where he wants them to go in, in their process of dealing with it. Because I don't know what the Lord's will for their life would be. But if, if they are willing, I, I, I know that he will show them what that is, and help them to come along and and get to that point of acceptance that he wants them to be at themselves. Are there particular Christian doctrines that have been, or books of the Bible even, that have been a particular help to you? Uh, Psalms. Yeah. Um, I always laugh and say, oh dear, I don't want to read Job because something's going to happen. <laughs> but it is always a good reminder. Mm. Um, um, I love, um, you know, sort of my, one of my favorite verses is, um, you know, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Um, I came across the verse, and I'm, I'm sorry to say I can't remember where it is, but it's in Isaiah where, you know, it says that the Lord will lead the blind um, on the road that they, they should go on. And um, you know, there's a there's a woe to those who put stumbling blocks in front of the blind, <laughs> and I just um, I don't know. I like those verses. I love the book of Philippians. Um, 
those are some of my the passages that I go to. That's um, good. Melanie, you, you used a word earlier that, that resonated with me uh, as you were describing early on uh, certain things. You, you used the word access. And, and, and the thing that struck me about that as you, you were using that was I, I immediately thought, you know, for someone with a physical disability, um, so, so, so I take access for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, coming into my church on Sunday and doing whatever I need to do is a second thought. I mean, I, I don't even give it a second thought. You know, I have access everywhere and everything is easy. What, what, I think one of the things that, that those of us that don't suffer from a physical disability have, have a hard time understanding is just how difficult access can be for someone who's in a wheelchair or someone who's mm-hmm. blind or, or, or that kind of a disability where certain things that we take for granted become an effort. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, you, you said a couple things that I thought were very helpful about a hymnal in Braille, mm-hmm. which I think is just brilliant. But you know, anything else off the top of your head that, that you'd say, this would help church, this would help us, someone like me, someone in a wheelchair, that kind of thing, to have a little bit better access into the fellowship of the body. Mm-hmm if this were done or, or if you were sensitive about this, I, I, any word of counsel there for us as a church? Sure. There's, um, for, for people with visual impairments, there's, there's some easy things you can do. Um, a lot of people don't read Braille, yeah. um, but large print yeah. is, is helpful. Um, and some t- for a lot of people, that's all they would need. Some right. people, like I, I mentioned, um, some people get things emailed to them Mm-hmm. because then they can put it in whichever format they need, right. even if it's audio and they can listen to it outside and maybe memorize it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sometimes helps people. Um, some people, um, their biggest barrier to church participation is transportation. Mm-hmm. So yeah. maybe offering to, you know, pick people up because a lot of people don't feel like they can ask because they don't want to be an imposition on anyone. Mm -hmm. But if the offer's out there and it's made easy for people to ask for a ride, um, that can be helpful. People with, who use wheelchairs, of course, have a lot of architectural Mm -hmm. issues to get around um, because a lot of church buildings are older and they have stairs. And you can't, um, obviously, you can't move the stairs, but there are sometimes ways that you can create ramps, even if they're temporary, um, in order to make it easier for people to get in and out of a, of a building. So, um, and, and um, you know, sometimes um, doorways are a problem. Sometimes it's just where people congregate doesn't leave enough room for somebody mm-hmm. who's in a wheelchair to get down a hall or whatever. Um, so, and I guess, you know, what I would say is that there are there are varying degrees of, of situations that create access problems. But I think that for most people, um, they can help a church identify those and come up with ways to to address them but the problem that 
a lot of people face is that they're not sure whether their suggestion will be well received. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Sometimes I, I'm afraid, uh, Melanie, that when I'm with someone with a disability, that I'm being over accommodating and it might come off as condescending. Um, I used to have a coffee shop and we were located right next to the Maryland School for the Deaf. Oh, okay. So, um, you know, when they would, they would come in, they frequented our coffee shop all the time and um, wonderful people, the students there. But at first I was uncomfortable because I didn't know, um, should I over accentuate with my lips when I talk? <laughs> should I talk with my hands more? Should I just immediately go to pen and paper? Um, I didn't want to offend. Sure. And so sometimes I think people are so afraid of offending the independence of somebody with um, disabilities that they maybe avoid communicating yes. with them altogether. That's, that's, that's what happens. And so what I, you know, my personal opinion is that I would rather you talk to me than worry about offending me because I'm not that easily offended. Um, but I guess what I would say is, you know, if you're worried about even how to how to say, what should I do? Mm-hmm. Just ask, what should I do? Just ask. Um, people know their needs, and most people love to talk about themselves. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so the best way to find out what someone needs is to ask them. That's Thank good. you. Yeah. That's, that's very helpful. Well, it's been uh, a very helpful uh, 25 minutes, uh, Melanie. I think you've given us a lot of practical insights into how the church can, can better integrate and better serve uh, people with, with various disabilities. But I think above all, the, the theological insights you've given into, mm-hmm. into how you came to terms with, with your yeah. blindness and uh, how... Uh, we should each, as Christians, minister to each mm-hmm. other in, in, in this world. It's been, been very, very helpful. So I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your, your schedule to, thank you. uh, to be with us today. And uh, also to thank my co-hosts, uh, Amy and Todd, for the time they've spent on the mortification of spin today. And uh, thank you, the listener, for listening in. Uh, please visit our website, mortificationofspin.org. And we look forward to being with you again in the near future. This has been Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. And we'd like to give you a free resource. Visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, to find a link to the download. Mortification of Spin is a production of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Alliance ministries include reformation21.org, and events held from Florida to Sacramento. To learn more about the Alliance, visit AllianceNet.org or call 800-488-1888. We can only continue to bring you Mortification of Spin with your support. To make a donation, please visit MortificationOfSpin.org or call 800-488-1888. Please listen again and don't forget your free download. When the Queen puts me on the New Year's Honours list, there'll be even <laughs> right. more to remember. Right. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs>